to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Sometimes I hear people preaching and they're insisting that they love the people they're addressing, but the tone says they don't. So this is where we have to grow. We are to love one another, even those that we disagree with in the body of Christ. And we need to make sure that when we are contending, when we are speaking the truth, we are doing it in love. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Revelation. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13 in a message titled, The Church of Brotherly Love. Now, here's Pastor Brian. I'm quoting from an article in Christianity Today. The writer says this, he says, we share a common set of core beliefs, but insist on meeting separately, often needlessly duplicating what would be more effective and efficiently achieved working together for the kingdom. So this whole thing of you know, 45,000 different denominations, if you will, or, or, or things similar to that, this is an indictment against the church. It's an indictment speaking about the fact that we have failed in this area and we have evidently forgotten that our most powerful and effective means of bearing witness to Christ is love for one another. See, this is huge. This is huge because Jesus said, this is the thing above everything else. This is going to be the thing that is going to have the greatest impact if we love one another. So listen, I hope that there's no one here or, or even listening to me that has this mentality. But if you do, listen, if you think that you've been called to find fault with and criticize other believers or pastors or churches or ministries, you are wrong. You have not been called to do that. Now, some people, they feel that that's their calling in the body of Christ. Their calling is to find fault. Their calling is to criticize. And they will often say, well, you know, I'm just standing up for the truth. I'm just defending the truth. Now, like I said, we do need to contend for the faith. That's true. We do need to stand for truth. That is true. But we have to remember this. When we speak the truth, we must always speak the truth in love. And if we're not speaking the truth in love, you know what we end up being? A sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Nobody hears it. They're not listening to this. And so this is something that we have to really take seriously. You know, oftentimes I hear people speaking critically of other Christians, other pastors, other movements. And sometimes I'm just cringing. I'm thinking, wow, you know, where, where did you ever get the idea that as a child of God, you could speak like that about somebody who is a, a brother or sister in Christ? I mean, this is just, it should not happen among us. Now, I, I'm not standing up here saying that I'm completely innocent in regard to this because I haven't been. There are times over the years and, and thankfully most, mostly in the past where um, I have done that very thing. I've, I've spoken out harshly and 
unlovingly. And, and, you know, God's convicted me as the years have gone by. It's funny, sometimes today, I might hear my, uh, a message on the radio, and although the content of what I'm saying, I, I, I agree with it, I, I still hold that position, sometimes I'm cringing at the tone that I'm hearing in my own voice that's coming across the radio. I'm just like, oh gosh, I can't believe. Years ago, uh, when I was living in London, I've been on the radio in London for years now. So we have a regular radio broadcast in London that goes on every, you know, five days a week in London. And um, years ago, I, I, I preached a message from John chapter eight, speaking about Jesus being the light of the world. And in that message, and I, and I preached it before I moved to London, I preached it in the context of life here in Southern California. And in the, in the message, you know, I, I talked about Jesus being the light of the world. I talked about the darkness of Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism and all, all the way along, you know. And um, of course, when you start broadcasting in an international city like London, you're gonna have all kinds of people, you know, from all different backgrounds. And anyway, I, I got a lot of letters from people who were not real happy with a lot of the things I said. And of course, back in those days, I thought, well, you know, they just can't take the truth and uh, they're wrong and I'm right. But I did take the time to listen to the message myself. And as I listened to it, I cringed. I thought, ah, oh, they were right. Jokingly, I changed the title of the message to a xenophobic looks at John chapter eight. You know what a xenophobic is? A xenophobic is a person who thinks their own culture is the greatest culture in the world and every, everybody else is just, you know, out to lunch. So, I mean, you know, I jokingly <laughs> changed the name in my mind to that, but I thought, you know, that, that's what I'm talking about. We have to be careful about how we say things. Yes, we have to speak the truth. We can't stop speaking the truth. But when we speak the truth, we must speak it from a heart of love. And if we're truly speaking it from a heart of love, you know what? The tone is going to indicate that. It's going to come across. You're going to get it. Sometimes I, still today, you know, sometimes I hear people preaching and they're insisting that they love the people they're addressing, but the tone says they don't. <laughs> so this is where we have to grow. We have to grow. We are to love one another, even those that we disagree with in the body of Christ. And we need to make sure that when we are contending, when we are speaking the truth, we are doing it in love. So love for, the, for fellow Christians. Secondly, love for our fellow man. We're to, we're to love people. We're to love people. Because remember, people are created in the image of God. And because every single human being is created in the image of God, they have dignity and they deserve a certain amount of respect and consideration simply because of that connection created in God's image. We are to love our fellow man. C.S. Lewis put it so profoundly in something that he wrote that was entitled No Ordinary Men. Let me read it to you. He said, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship 
or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Every person is to be shown an amount of respect and love because they are creatures made in the image of God. And of course, for us though, that even goes further because they're people for whom Christ died. And isn't it true that so often we forget that? But you know, the best way to not forget that as often is to remember that we are people for whom Christ died. And were it not for the grace of God, we would be right there probably in that same place with that person that we are despising, with that person that we are rejecting or that person that we're refusing to give the time of day to. You know something that struck me one time, and it honestly has helped me have a better perspective with certain people. You know, I mean, let's face it, there are obviously people in the world that's very, they're very hard to love. But the reality is God loves them. So what we're talking about here is God giving us ability. But one time, this just struck me. I, I think it was the Lord. I was looking at this person, a very obnoxious person, and a you know, person that you kind of just wanted to get as far away from rather than have any kind of encounter with them. And it suddenly struck me like a, like a bolt out of heaven. This person was one time somebody's baby. Somebody's baby. And, and, I, and I just had this thought in my mind like, wow, what happened to that precious little innocent child that turned him in? No, seriously, that turned him into this. But it was a moment that helped me have a compassion for the person because something must have happened in their life that got them from that precious little baby to where they were at that moment. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's these kinds of things that we need to think about. So love for our fellow Christians, love for our fellow man, but then thirdly, love for the lost. Love for the lost. Jim Cimbala, the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York, he wrote this. He said, the world we live in is antagonistic to our beliefs about Jesus Christ. Our Christian values are rejected out of hand. But instead of engaging this world and proclaiming the gospel of God's love with an accompanying manifestation of God's power, as we find in the Bible, the church is reacting by making harsh and condemning statements about the world and its people, forgetting that they are not our enemy, but rather our mission field. We can't forget that. And again, we can't forget that we were one time there. We were one time there. 
And it wasn't the anger or the hostility that brought you to faith. Remember, James tells us so rightfully, truthfully, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know, our anger at people, the sinners in the culture, that's not going to produce the righteousness of God. It's not our anger that's going to turn them from their sin to Jesus. It's the love of God that's going to do that. You see, that's the truth. But sometimes we forget that, don't we? And we get so angry at these people who don't hold to our values. But listen, Jesus did not call us to go into the world and preach values. He called us to go preach the gospel. And values only come from a transformation in the heart. So we have to be careful. We don't want to end up, as Symbolist says here, we don't want to end up thinking that the very ones that we're called to reach are the enemy. They're not the enemy. There is an enemy, though, and that's the devil who holds them captive. And we can't forget that. They're dupes of the devil. They're captive by him. You know, Paul, in writing to Titus, he said an interesting thing. And he's talking in the context of rulers and kings and things like that. And you know what he said? He said, speak evil of no man. For we ourselves were at one time deceived and deceiving others. But when the kindness and the mercy of God toward us in Christ appeared, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. You know, how often do we feel a freedom even to speak evil of people, leaders, politicians? Paul said, don't do that. Paul didn't, you know, you can't read through the epistles of the New Testament and find any one of the apostles criticizing the politicians of the day. And listen, you think our politicians are corrupt? Well, they are, most of them, but... Um, <laughs> The Roman politicians were, you know, probably a little bit further down the road of corruption than, than ours are even. So, but, but there wasn't that kind of, you know, personal indignation coming. And, and think of Paul when he stood before Festus, he stood before Felix, he stood before Agrippa, and you look at the way he conducted himself, he was very respectful. And he took it as an opportunity not to criticize them personally or their policies, but really to address them concerning the gospel of Christ. And so love for the lost. But this does take us all the way back around to where we were before. And it takes us back around to what we looked at previously, the whole issue of, of loving Jesus first. Because you know, if I have come to a place where I no longer have love for others, I can safely conclude I must not be in that place with Christ where I'm loving him first. Because if I was, I would have love because Jesus, of course, has love for them. So if I'm, if I'm doing what Jesus said to do, love him first, then his love is going to fill my heart and his love is going to overflow to others. Now, do you remember, maybe some of you remember, I, I remember this. I remember one of the things that happened to me as a, as a new Christian I remember just suddenly having a love for people that I previously had not had. There was something there. I knew that there was a change for a number of reasons, but that was one of them. It's like, 
wow, I, I have a whole different take on this person or this type of person now. And I found myself having uh, an unexplainable love for, from a human standpoint, but obviously I knew what it was. It was, wow, this is the love of God in my life now, directing it, itself toward these other people. And maybe you can relate to that as well. Maybe you can identify with that. But the question is, have we moved away from that? Have we lost that? And so if we've lost that, then that is an indicator that we have left that place that Jesus referred to as our first love. And we have got to get back to that place because listen, this is the key. The church is to be the city of brotherly love. The church is to be the one place on the planet where people can come and feel like, man, I am on a different planet. I'm in a different world. As they, as they cross, you know, my prayer is as, as people even just, seriously, I, I do pray this, as people just step their foot on the grounds here, that they would just know there's something different. It's like crossing into a, a over a city limits line or crossing over a border. You know, back in the days when the, the Soviet Union was in power and you had the separation of Eastern Europe and Western Europe and so forth, man, it was like two completely different worlds. You crossed the border from Eastern into Western Europe and it was like you crossed the border from hell into heaven. That's the kind of difference it was. But you know, that's what the church ought to be like as well. A place where you, when you cross over into the city limits or to the national borders, you just think, wow, there's something here. There's something different. You know, two quick stories, and we'll wrap it up. When I was pastoring in London, we had a church in London that met in a, in a school in the heart of London, in central London. And, um, you know, life in London is, is, it's a tough life. It's a big city with millions and millions of people. It's, you know, there's much of it that is likened to an inner city kind of a situation. And life is tough. And there's not a whole lot of love that you sense as you're there. You know, one of the things that the tube is notorious for in London, the tube is, or the, the subway, the trains, you know, that go in and out, is how nobody ever talks to anybody. They just sit and sort of read their paper or just stare out the window or whatever. But anyway, a friend of mine who was a Londoner and had grown up, you know, in that real rough kind of environment there, he said to me, he said, you know, Brian, he said, my favorite moment of the week is when I drive into the car park of the church on Sunday morning. And he said, it's like I just come to a different world. And he said, and I, I just so love being here and, you know, you come to church at nine in the morning and wouldn't leave till seven or eight o'clock at night because they just wanted to soak it in, just be in that environment, be in that atmosphere of love. And, you know, that's how it ought to be, that we would be the city of brotherly love. This past week, we had the, a, a beautiful opportunity. Over the years, as we travel, especially to London and back, I just used uh, Air New Zealand as our carrier for the most part, in going back and forth from London. And as you, you know, you take the same flights over and over again, you get to meet some of the crew. And anyway, we got to meet and be friends with uh, one of the stewardesses on the crew. And she's a German girl who actually lives in London near where I used to live. And so we had, you know, certain things in common. So we got to talking and come to find out that although they fly in and out of LAX, during their time here, the few days that they're here, they actually stay in Costa Mesa, right down the street. 
So as we were having a conversation one time, all of this came out and Scott and I were talking to her and we said, hey, well, you know, you got to come and visit us sometime at our church and gave her some, you know, gospel um, literature and, and all of this. So anyway, this has been, you know, probably two, three years, maybe four years that we've been having this conversation with her as we see her every occasionally. Well, anyway, I got an email from her a couple weeks ago, said, hey, I'm going to be in town. I'd love to come by and see your church. And so she did. She came on Friday and uh, she happens to be a Buddhist and we just had a fantastic time. We just took her around and introduced her to a bunch of people and all of that. Here's my point. At the end of the, the time when she was ready to, to go back to her hotel, she said, you know, this is a beautiful community. I really feel a lot of love here. And I thought, amen. That's what we want to see. That's what we want to hear. That's, that's what Jesus had in mind, undoubtedly, when he talked about his church. The city of brotherly love, the one place on earth. You know, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You know, how, how could it ever be that there would be racism in the church? How could that ever happen? It's so contrary to the whole picture of the gospel and the kingdom. It's just so contrary. How could it ever be? Well, whatever it has been in the past, we have to make sure that we don't perpetuate that. We have to stay in that place where we recognize that every tribe, every tongue, every nation, those are the people. Jesus loves everyone. Everyone is invited to come and be part of his kingdom, of his family, of this new community. Everybody's invited to become a citizen of the city of brotherly love, where Jesus is Lord, where Jesus is King. And so as we are there ourselves already, most of us, let's make sure that we are doing the thing that he said we are to do, loving one another, because by this, all will know that we are his disciples. And now let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So Brian, John Bonner, a missionary pioneer in Peru, has written a book. He has written a book called The Myth of Coincidence, and it is such a great book. It's a small book, but you know how both of us love missionary biographies? That's right. Well, this is one adventure, I'll tell you. It's an amazing story of how, you know, John's own personal life and some of the things that happened, some of the tragedy, his meeting Pilar, his wife in Mexico City, them being there during one of the big earthquakes, and then the Lord leading them into Peru. And now 20 years they've been in Peru and pioneering the gospel there, planted many churches. And I couldn't put the book down. It was a page turner. So John Bonner and the title again is The Myth of Coincidence. And he just basically shows through the book that there are no coincidences, that God is at work behind the scenes. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner. You can order the book The Myth of Coincidence by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. 
When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Myth of Coincidence by John Bonner, to help you understand that God is working behind the scenes in your life too. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Revelation. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th, and this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian, you and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. We are so excited about this Israel trip because we absolutely love going to Israel. So we'd love to have you join us October 23rd through November 4th, 2022. And you can find more information at israel.cccm.com. We'd love to have you join us.